So what's going on with interest rates and lending right now? How are top investors using data and information to time the markets or at least look like they are and come out looking like geniuses who beat the system? Today's guest, Nicole Ruth, is the number one loan originator in her state and nationally in her company. She's going to teach us what information she uses to advise her top investing clients, how she stays ahead of the investing curve when it comes to interest rates and the economy, and how you can continue to educate yourself in this field. This is Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate, where we guide you through the relentless pursuit of financial independence. I'm your host, Justin Moy, Managing Partner at Perpetual Wealth Capital a multifamily real estate investing firm that lets everyday people invest passively in income-producing apartment buildings. Hey, investors. Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, I am sitting down with a rock star guest in the lending space. And it's a huge question mark that a lot of not just investors, but even everyday people have tons of questions about. So today, I'm sitting down with Nicole Ruth. Now, Nicole is Senior VP and Production Manager of the Ruth team at Fairway Independent Mortgage. She's the number one loan originator in Colorado and the company. She's been quoted as a thought leader in real estate space from CNN, Real Simple, Apartment Therapy, Go Banking Rates, The Washington Post. I could just continue to go on and on and on about her, but she's a fantastic person who is so in touch with this ever-changing space and we're excited to have her on. So Nicole, thanks so much for joining us. Oh my gosh, Justin, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I think it was super important to have you on, especially now. And I know we've been talking back and forth for a couple of months, getting something on both of our calendars. And I think that was actually a good thing because now we're in this super ever-changing time. And I just want to ask you flat out, what the hell's going on right now with rates? Every day, every week, I see something new coming up. What's been going on? They've been fluctuating a lot. So we've been within a range, but the volatility that we've seen within that range has offered interest rates low. Like we were actually locking in 4.99 this past weekend to last week we were locking at 5.875. So there's been a lot of volatility in the interest rates as the Fed is raising the Fed rate, as they're talking about quantitative tightening, as inflation numbers continue to hit high numbers. And will it end? Is that the top? Will it come back down? That's been this huge question mark that's been creating a lot of volatility, as well as what's happening worldwide, because of course, we're a global economy at this point. And I think it's so interesting you said that we're a global economy at this point. I love to travel. And it's so interesting because anywhere that I travel outside of the country, a lot of people will always start to talk about U.S. politics or U.S. currencies with me. And after the conversation, I'm always like, wow, it's crazy. I don't know anything about the German politics right now, but we're the worldwide known kind of reputable person for the currency and for rates. And so a lot of people look at that and a lot of people don't realize that also makes us hypersensitive to our decisions as the Fed, because what we do kind of sets the stage for a lot of other economies as well. And so tell me about that volatility. So you're saying, you know, you've done some lower rate lock-ins this week compared to some rates last week, but I kind of thought everything was going up slow and steady or not quite slow and steady. I mean, we've had 75 basis points rates. We've had talks of 1% rate increases. Why exactly is it different week by week now? So we're seeing a lot of the volatility based on the economic 
measures that come out that could push the Fed to do something different than what they said before. So when we first in June, so I'm going back just a little bit, we saw the first time this really big swing was happening. Now, interest rates started spiking up in March. Back then, we just had had Russia invade Ukraine. We just started the Fed had been doing quantitative easing and they just started doing where they were raising the Fed rate. So some of those motions, we saw some really quick jumps with interest rates up and then they were traveling up for a while. But then we started to fall into a pattern and you do that. It's the speed by which was not normal. The upswing based on inflation was to be expected, but you have something where the CPI When you're looking at inflation from the consumer perspective, when that comes out at a record high like it did in June, but later the same month, we saw PCE come out, which is more of a business perspective of inflation. It's what the Fed uses. That came out and moved rates the exact opposite. So we saw rates spike three quarters of a point, and then we saw them drop three quarters of a point two weeks later. Now, this past Friday, what impacted it was the European Central Bank, the ECB, they raised their Fed rate, their central bank rate by a half a point from negative 0.5 to zero. So that was a big deal because they hadn't done that in a very, very long time. So again, this global economy. So we're seeing these little surprises that are moving the market. But other than that, we're seeing this like slow movement, waiting for inflation to get back under control. And so just from, I guess, a somewhat personal perspective, I'm curious on your thoughts because we see this trend, right? Inflation kind of runs a little bit out of control. They raise rates to hamper it. They tend to maybe over-raise them for a little bit, and then they have to pull them back down. So we see that cyclicality. And that's why a lot of people who are seasoned investors, they're not really worrying right now, as opposed to a lot of maybe first-time buyers or beginner investors. They think that, oh, rates have like almost doubled. Well, it's still a very good rate. I mean, if you're going from two to four, that's still a very, very good rate. But what's your personal opinion on how the Fed essentially tackles inflation? Do you look for any hints of when might be better times to buy, quote unquote, when you could get some of those favorable terms? And is this even a good strategy that the Fed does to help with inflation right now? They do do this. They kind of push us into recessions. And in particular, this time, they were a little late to take action. And so the big questions have been, is this going to be this hyperinflationary period of time? Are we going to actually see deinflation? What is the economy going to look like? To what breadth would we see a recession? I've seen things as much as we're going to see a depression as big as a 20. I mean, everybody's got an opinion. It's all over the map. Here's what I keep coming back to. There's a couple of things that I'm looking at. Is one is when you look at either of these inflationary measures, whether it's the CPI or the PCE, and you take out food and gas. So there's a core number and a headline number. The headline number is like all in. The core number has taken out food and gas, which can be particularly volatile. What we're actually seeing is even though the headline number is going up, the core numbers are starting to come down, which is like the prices of everything else. And now we know gas is lower. At the time of this taping, we had hit record numbers for the dollars that you're spending at the gas station. And now that's coming down. In fact, I heard in Texas, it's like three and a half, 3.5. And who's seen $3.50 in a while? So all of this, commodities are starting to soften. Gas is starting to come down. The CPI and the PCE numbers are monthly and they're dated by the time we get them. So I'm looking at this and I'm seeing, okay, so the core number is coming down. So the cost of 
a lot of the things outside of food and gas is starting to regulate. I look at inventory as an investor and I see that HECA mortgages, reverse mortgages are up. So you've got baby boomers who are aging in place. You've got investment pools. So you've got the investors were the highest level of equity in the first quarter of 2022. They're still investing. They're taking some of the inventory. The people that own homes, 75% of the people that have a mortgage and 38% of the people don't even have a mortgage, 75% of the people that do have an interest rate locked below four. I start adding this stuff up and I'm thinking I could sit around and wait for something to happen for the Fed to do what it does and what we expected to do, which is push us into a recession to get lower interest rates. Or I could lock in a home price today and know that I can refinance at any time. I'm not married to the rate. I'm just trying to capitalize on that home and the continued equity build that I have the longer I own that home and then refinance when and if that happens. Because I mean, nobody's crystal ball is perfect anymore. We assume that what is going to happen is what has happened. But if it doesn't, I don't want to be sitting around waiting and costing my future self a lot of opportunity. I always say date the rate. The price you can't change of it, but the rate you can. And some packages are more restrictive than others, but you can date the rate. We hear a lot of that too, is some personal friends or family who are asking me, is this a good time to buy? First of all, as an investor, I've been doing this for a little bit of time now. My answer is almost always yes. It's just the strategy will change for us. And I think you hit it on the head where what you said is there's a headline story and rate and measures. And then there's kind of what's actually going on. What the people who are really making the decisions are looking at, what people like you and I will look at in these to really advise people. And a lot of times they're different. So a lot of the people who are, in my experience, were saying, oh, there's big crashes coming. I can't wait. This bubble is going to burst. I don't quite agree. We're going to have a recession. I think a lot of people right now, their only lifetime experience of recession is 08. And so if that's what they think, just when they hear recession, they think, oh, wait, oh, perfect. But there's a lot of reasons that why I don't think this will be that. But are you working with a lot of investors currently? Do you have a lot of first-time home buyers? How have you seen your best investor clients kind of adjust or adapt, or if they are doing anything different? So the first-time investors are easier to mold. You've been investing for a decade. It hurts to see these interest rates. It hurts really to see the higher prices right now. And you're not getting the cap rate that you were wanting. And sometimes the interest rate is higher than the cap rate, which that really hurts. The longer term investors are the ones that are sitting on the sidelines a little bit more. The newer investors are thinking, I've got to hurry up and get in because I just missed two of the best years to build equity. And before others come in and gobble this up, I know and I'm trusting that appreciation will continue. I mean, home prices always go up. They don't always go up every single year, but long-term, if you can wait and if you're not over-leveraged, if you do have savings in place and if you do have protection, then you're going to weather the storm and you're going to continue to own that property. And I mean, look at today in the Denver market alone, our values are over 124% higher than they were at the end of 05 at the peak. You just have to, it's the opportunity. The folks that have been in a long time are second guessing, is it really worth this high dollar to buy this property? Is this interest rate, which is now a point to maybe two points higher than it was last year? I'm sorry. It's that way for everybody. I always begin with the end in mind. 
it's really hard to kind of start to burn out on what is, but what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? How much income are you trying to create through investing? What kind of lifestyle are you trying to create? Or is it a multi-generational wealth that you're trying to build for your kids and your grandkids? If I keep focusing outward, I'm going to try and make the best decisions today, even if they cost a little bit more than they did a year ago. And do you think a lot of those investors who have been doing this for 10 plus years, do you think they're more hesitant now? Because the real fact is returns have changed. I mean, people, investors who started 10 years ago when they were expecting seven, eight, nine, 10 caps in these even major markets, you are just not getting that anymore. So do you think part of it is they're just looking and saying, oh, well, why would I buy a two or three caps? Sometimes, like you said, a negative cap in some of these very big markets. To them, that just doesn't look like a good deal because their anchor is eight or nine plus cap. So is that part of the reason? Are they looking at the returns or is it more the timing of the economy that they're uncertain about or what's the feedback or what do you think they're doing? I think it's a little bit of everything. I just had a friend who just closed on a warehouse in Tulsa. And the whole reason they did it was because it was a 10 cap and you just don't find 10 caps anymore. Yeah. Like You can't even barely find a six cap. Mm-hmm. So I do think that some of it is I'm looking for a particular cap. And maybe you have to go to secondary markets in order to do that. You have to think creatively. I've talked to a lot of investors today who were looking to buy a duplex or a triplex. And right now, especially in the Denver market where I'm at, those multi-units are much more expensive than they were just a couple of years ago. So that might not give you either the cash flow or really the attainability if you don't have the 25% to put down. So now we're starting to look at single families. Can you get into a single family near the colleges with a rentable basement that we can add a door and that we can plant an auxiliary dwelling unit in the backyard? It really is getting creative knowing the environment that we're currently in. That's huge. I mean, I was just at a financial freedom conference here in Scottsdale, and I had never heard of ADUs more than this year. And that's something that people are doing almost out of necessity. I mean, people know that real estate is the way to build wealth, the most consistent way to build wealth, and the most proven way to build wealth. And like you said, they have to get creative because if investors don't want to sit on the sidelines, they want to get active. Sometimes you have to do these things to make them worthwhile. But So you have a lot of access to information, maybe that the average investor wouldn't have, or maybe doesn't have the time to go and culminate all these things. And that's why somebody like you is so valuable to have on the team. What kind of resources do you have, or do you recommend to people to sort of keep up with this, that maybe they can check once a month or something like that and see, Hey, what's going on with the economy right now? And where can I get some hints of where I think rates might be going or markets might be going. Do you have specific resources, newsletters, a website? How do you stay up to date? We do. So as a lender, I've been a lender for 21 years, and I also have a lot of investments. And I have three young adult children who we bought each of them a home when they turned 21. And now they're 21, 22, and 24. So all of that is very exciting to me. So we teach a lot of classes here. And we're also licensed in... 37 states and adding more states every month. But I would say that what we do, so as a lender, I also partner with a gal here in Denver who's a title rep, and we do a market update every week. Right now it's Thursdays at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. She'll talk about the Denver-specific market, and I know that a lot of investors aren't in Denver because it's expensive to be in Denver. And then the second half, I do an economic update. Where's wage growth going? Where's unemployment going? Where's the net migration going? What's happening overall? We also teach a monthly investment class 
especially for those first-time investors, or I do a lot of one-on-one consultations. But right now, I would say be aware the headlines speak minimal truths. So dive deeper into the headlines, actually read the content. And it's so interesting to me, like something like an atom data can put out a report that can be really scary and overwhelming. Sometimes I think that they're more sensationalist. So I rely more on like Black Knight or CoreLogic um, or find that resource that you know. I'm an avid CNBC fan. I listen to it every single morning. Now, granted, I know it's also tilted, but I'm listening to it for the key terms. What is going on when I listen to the metrics like inflation? What's the core inflation? What is the cost of everything else? And you see it. I mean, how many how many advertisements did you hear on the radio or on TV for sales this past weekend? I mean, think the price of things is starting to come down. We're seeing it at the gas pump. We're seeing it overall. And as inflation eases, so will go the interest rates. And you'll be able to get a little bit more cap rate on those properties because you're not going to get it in a lower purchase price. That I don't see coming. Got it. You mentioned a ton of resources, some that you absorb yourself that are public resources and some that you actually do yourself. How does somebody, is it an email list that you put in? Is it an invite to get into some of those? How can somebody get involved in that with your classes specifically? You can absolutely check us out at our website, theruthteam.com. And my name has an E in it. So it's R-U-E-T-H that gets everybody. So theruthteam.com, that'll be the starting point. I'm on Instagram. We're now on TikTok. That's a new thing. Of course, YouTube and Facebook is a big place. We're just constantly looking at the economy and where we think the shift is going to happen. Because the worst place you can be is on the fence. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't want to look back five years from now saying, I should have then, but I didn't. I've got a lot of conversations going on right now that I should have. And Especially with, like you said, the time to build enormous artificial equity or forced equity was these past two years. One other question that I kind of had here, I've been hearing it more and more, and even in mastermind groups that I have, where people will just informally kind of ask questions, adjustable rates versus fixed rates. I have heard from a few kind of mentors that I've had that in the long run, adjustable rates tend to outperform the fixed rates. I don't know entirely how accurate that is. To be very honest, I haven't bothered to really dive into that because I'm sure Mm -hmm. timing has a ton to do with it, but I'm hearing more people opt for that adjustable rate. Is that something that you like? Is that a strategy you like? Is that something you advise people to stay away from? Do you always buy rate caps? What is your opinion on fixed versus adjustable right now? I want that property to be secure. Like I'm doing everything I can, whether it's the quick claiming it in LLCs and getting the blanket insurance policies and making sure it's on a 30-year fixed. Now I pay everything in shorter timeframes based on my age and when I sit down with clients, but all of these things, like I've got a whole checklist of things that go, I want to do these things. I want to invest in real estate, but I also want to live a healthy retirement on these real estate investments. And then I want to give them to my kids. An adjustable rate mortgage has a twist of risk that willingly I don't want to take on. Now, in the past 12 years, interest rates have been going down. Yes, they've had little bouts where they'd go back up again. But overall, from the bubble to today, for really last year, interest rates went down. So arms did very well. Mm -hmm. Now, if I go from this point forward, if interest rates are going to go up at all, stay stable or inch up as we get into a healthy economy, then I'm not in front of the curve. I'm behind it. And so I always kind of tell people, if 
you are willing to take the risk and typically a cap might be say five points on the base rate. So maybe if you got it locked in at 4%, it could go up to 9% over the lifetime of the loan. Can you live with 9%? Are you counting on the fact that we're going to go into a recession and see interest rates drop? Locally, we're doing something called a 2-1 buy down where we're kind of buying down the rate front loaded when people purchase homes to give ourselves two years to see if interest rates do drop and then really lock in at a lower rate. And if they don't, then you're still luckily locked in at today's current market rate for the next 28 years after that. That gives me a little bit more of a positive without the risk. I don't have a single arm. I don't. I was kind of in the same ship too with it. Well, there's just a lot that in my opinion feels out of my control I don't know what the hell the Fed is going to do. And and it's going to affect my rate and my cash flows. And so I agree, but I have heard of some pretty aggressive terms for some arms from some lenders, especially out in the commercial space and multifamily. And so sometimes you just can't pass it up or sometimes you do want to roll that dice and and see how it goes. So, I mean, this has been really, really, really awesome. We are going to do our best to get this episode out as fast as we can, because I don't want things to be outdated by the time we're able to get things going. And that's why continued education is so important. Learning is not something that you did. It's something that you do, especially in this space. So anybody who wants to be an investor who wins has to stay up to date on these things. So Nicole, I know you mentioned your website before. You have a lot of resources there for people. Is that the best way to get a hold of you? Or do you have other avenues or other resources that people might be interested in? I do. That's the best way. We post a ton on Facebook. It's probably my most favorite place because it's just easy. So if you want to see a lot of stuff that we do, my kids don't even have Facebook. I know I'm dating myself with that, (laughs) but it's okay. (laughs) But reach out to us. We'll get you plugged in wherever you're at. Perfect. Nicole, this has been super, super valuable. Listeners, we're going to put links to Nicole's Facebook and her website in the show notes. While you're there, if you haven't already, Make sure, of course, you download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Building Generational Wealth Through Multifamily Real Estate. So listeners, thank you so much for joining us on another episode.